0: Yes, if you start rolling, good. I'd like to welcome the, anyone who's listening online, who will listen to this message afterwards. My name's Andrew, I'm bringing the message to you this morning, and if you'd pray with me please. Well, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would teach us from your word today, that we would learn of your ways from what you've shown us in your word, and pray you'd help me to bring that to our ears this morning. Amen. So who do these Pharisees and scribes think they are? We see a lot of interaction between them and Jesus in the, in the Bible, and particularly in the Gospel of Mark, which we've been working through this year. We see them criticising Jesus for sitting down with tax collectors and sinners. We see them commenting on disciples, collecting grain to eat on a Sabbath, breaking the Sabbath rules. And even as early as Mark chapter 3, they they're already planning to kill Jesus and all he had done at that time was healed someone on the Sabbath. And in this passage, we've got them criticising the disciples for eating with unclean hands, breaking the traditions that they upheld and that they held to be very dear.
1: And then later in
0: Mark, we'll see many interactions between the Pharisees and in this case the scribes and sometimes some other figures with jesus and so often it is them that is in opposition to jesus so if you've been in the church for a while and you've heard from the gospels quite often you're probably getting familiar with these characters the pharisees and it'd be easy to think of them as just the bad guys you know the the dark hat the heavy eyebrows the nasty pointed beard and stuff like that um it's easy to get that picture that that's all they are is the the negative people um, History is a little bit different to that They're part of Israel's recent history at the point which Jesus was alive Where they were part of a movement, a number of movements in Israel To defend the, Isra- the culture of Israel against the influence of paganism And against rulers who ruled over them And wanted them to change them away from being the people of God as they saw themselves um, so within Israel at that time, apparently, there were thousands of people who identified as Pharisees. So they were quite a large movement. That's why you come across Jesus who, in all his travels through Galilee and then through Judea. He comes across people who are Pharisees. And they define themselves as trying to follow God's law and lead others to do the same. So they were a movement that really wanted to see Israel and return to and persevere in following the ways of God. So when we look at them that way, they are not, on the face of it, the bad group of people. And in many ways, they were highly regarded in the community for for their standards and for the way they they lived. Unfortunately, they'd become a little too good at, at interpreting God's laws. And we'll come to more of that soon. The scribes and their origins are similar in the history of the church, history of, sorry, Israel, uh, and the re establishment of Israel after the the Jews came back from captivity in Babylon. uh, The scribes formed a very important role of keeping the scriptures alive and making copies available to people, and that extended also to teaching people what the laws said. So these two groups had a lot in common, had some common origins, and they had a purpose in trying to lead the people in following God and obeying God's laws. So what about these purity laws? Without going into detail, we can discern a number of purposes for the Old Testament laws. They acted as a signifier difference for the people of God, the people that God had rescued, in order to establish his kingdom on earth In a group of people in a in one nation. They helped those people apply cultural means to respect holiness. Uh, It's hard for us to to understand this because our culture is so different. But many of those laws which are bewildering to us were there because for those people, that was the way that you respected something that was other, that is godly, that is holy. And so they followed those laws, some of those laws, for that purpose. Some of those laws were simple practical guides to living, to help the people of God live in ways that were good community, good for them individually. But most importantly, at the core of it all, was important ways to live consistent with God's values. And that was principally values of love. So there were many laws about how you treated each other, about, respect for each other, about respect for your parents. So these are the things that the Pharisees and the scribes have held. The problem with purity laws is that they can be obeyed externally to cover owner over an ugly internal state. And Jesus drew attention to this very directly and very bluntly with the Pharisees in this situation, the Pharisees and the scribes, he saw that they were had developed a whole regime of things that they could do, which made them look good in the eyes of the people. But they were no longer concerned with the core values that God was concerned about, that is where people were, where their heart was, whether they were travelling well. And so they were quick to criticise the disciples for not washing their hands at the right way, and the right time. They were quick to Criticised when the disciples had gathered some grain because they are hungry and it happened to be the Sabbath. They were quick to criticise uh, when Jesus went to heal on the Sabbath and that was a very sensitive topic. So the problem with purity laws is they can be obeyed externally to cover up an internally, internal ugly state, as I said and Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet had identified that on an inspiration for the Holy Spirit and Jesus was calling the Pharisees up on this right now. The purity laws can also be used to elevate oneself and pushing down another. And in another places in the Gospels, Jesus challenges that the Pharisees and other religious leaders at the time liked to be seen, to be doing good and to be the good guys. The other problem with the purity laws is they can be harder for some to follow than others. The people that Jesus hung out with were very often the people that were identified as failing to follow these sort of laws. They were the unclean, they were the sinners, they were the culture traitors, the tax collectors that Jesus was often criticised for hanging around with and some of his disciples hailed from this background. They were people who were considered absolute traitors to their culture. And these are the people that Jesus hung out with. There are other people whose livelihood, very lifestyle, didn't allow them to follow all the purity laws. If you were a shepherd or a fisherman, it's very hard to follow laws that um, centre around cleanliness regarding to touching dead animals and things like that. If your life, the way you earned your living, was that way, inclined, it was... Involve those things so what is jesus saying here many of their traditions contradicted the most important parts of the law so they would built up these traditions in addition to the law and they'd been attempting to do this in order to help people find the law but unfortunately they had become too confident in those their traditions and they were using their traditions to serve themselves rather than serve the community And he provides one very pertinent example, and that is the tradition of Corbin, where if you said, if you felt obliged that you needed to use some of your resources, your finances, what you had to help your parents, now that seems obvious to us, even in our culture today, looking after your parents is pretty significant, pretty well regarded. But they developed a tradition where you could say, I'm committing this to God. Now, it doesn't mean you gave it to the temple or to God per se, but you earmarked it for that, and that allowed you to avoid using that to help your parents. Jesus identified this as a fairly clear contradiction of their tradition of the law of God, which was about loving and looking after people. By their actions, Jesus and his disciples were often violating tradition. I've mentioned the cases that we know of from Mark that we've already covered, and there will be more more as we go through Mark further. They were often unclean. In this example, the disciples were eating food when they were unclean. And when Jesus sat down to eat with tax collectors and sinners, he was very much stepping way outside the comfort zone of the Pharisees, the scribes, The other religious leaders and the other people were concerned with religious behaviour at the time. So they were themselves very much outside the purity and cleanliness boundaries that the Pharisees and others had placed. By his actions, Jesus was reshaping the legal landscape at that time. He was bringing in a new kingdom. And he emphasised this in his statements, in this teaching, that he starts with a dialogue with these Pharisees about clean hands and then he turns it into talking about what goes into a person does not make them unclean, it's what comes out of the heart. So Jesus is reshaping or refocusing the issues of his kingdom, of 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 the laws, onto the heart and what's happening in the heart. And in doing this, he brings back to what the Old Testament did teach and what many interactions with Jesus uh, brought out to bear, and we'll see this later in Mark, that the law of love is the foundation to all the key laws that matter. And he re-emphasised this. Now, he leaves us hanging a bit in this case because he tells us where the problems come from He tells us that this rather scary list of sins come from the heart of people. But there is plenty of opportunity for us to learn in the rest of the gospel and even implied here that it's the law of love that Jesus is going to establish as the principle for which his kingdom is founded. His teaching here redirects our concern to the heart and there's a link between Jesus' statements and those statements by Isaiah. So what does this mean to us? We all have all tend to have our own traditions and our own purity laws. Many of these have a purpose. I've often thought when I've seen some of the debates that happen in the church about where some of our laws and our traditions come from. One that has come to mind quite often for me, if you look at the history of the Salvation Army, they have a tradition, if you like, of abstinence from alcohol very important, or has been in their history, it might have changed, but from what I know of their history, it was very important in that movement to abstain from alcohol, and that was expected from all the people that participated in that that church. Now, the reason for that was they were founded as a movement which ministered to people in the community where alcohol, uh, excessive consumption and uh, addiction to alcohol was destroying lives and so their means to address those needs their means to love those people and bring them into the kingdom was to abstain from alcohol for themselves so their their tradition there held a purpose and so they held to that for the purpose of loving those people and the way that it was it was their means the thing they were willing to give up so that they could love those people i think it's important to remember that that Traditions, just as the traditions of the Pharisees, may have had a purpose. And the purpose was, if it was valid and if it was going to hold, would be founded on love. The difference between traditions for purpose and tradition as holiness can be dangerous. There's a danger of judging others by our traditions. Uh, A simple, slightly amusing one was... I've only been here for about a year and a half, and uh, I'm not certain how baptism is run here, but I think I overheard some conversation about baptism by sprinkling. Now, I come from a background which was originally Baptist and became charismatic and always held to full immersion baptism. So the first time I heard about baptism by sprinkling, my natural reaction is like, oh, that's not right. It's not enough, you know. And there might be good reasons for holding to baptism by immersion and there might be good reasons to hold by baptism by sprinkling. And I'm not certain what the practices here are yet. But the fact of the matter was there was no place for me to judge in that place, um, the difference in practice. The purpose of baptism is someone to make a signifier that they're turning to God and they're and they are determining now to follow Jesus and, and turn their lives to God. So baptism has a purpose in that. And the different forms of baptism can serve that purpose if that's how the community sees it. So it comes down to a sort of pragmatic approach of what do your traditions achieve in the community and what do your traditions achieve amongst, amongst the people that hear and see them. The very interesting thing that we look at Jesus, how he lived and what he did. He did things that broke those rules. He did things with his disciples that would have counted him to be dirty, to be unclean, to be impure. In order to follow Jesus, we, the church, might need to get dirty. We might need to break some of our traditions, not for the sake of breaking them, for when they don't serve a purpose or when they actually get in the way of our being able to love the members of our community and the members and people outside our community, we might need to associate with the unclean because Jesus certainly did. He was principally known for hanging out with the wrong people. We have a choice. We can follow the Pharisees and walk through life being careful about not touching anything that's unclean and being fearful of that. Or we can follow Jesus' example, and really when we look at him, he did this. The unclean were either side of him, and he was wrapping his arms around them. We can see that, apologies, in many places in the Gospels. And it's what he was most criticised for by the Pharisees and others, Where can we do this? Our non-church workplaces offer plenty of opportunity for this. If in the in the work community, uh, we approach our colleagues not as those that might pollute us, but as those that we can embrace with the love that God motivates us to. The streets and centres of our community offer other opportunities. The organisations that minister outwards to others, uh, I think of the opportunity we had with the, the um, Opportunities for Hope. I can't remember the name of the, the night we had a week, a week ago, um, where we got to hear what other organisations were doing that was touching the community outwardly from the church and given an opportunity to think about how we might engage with those. So to sum up, how do we follow Jesus in his embrace of the unclean, of his engagement with those who are impure? And the simple answer is that we read our Bible, particularly the Gospels and Jesus' model for how to live and how to engage with those people we allow that model to influence us and shape us as to how we interact with people. Obviously pray and step out. Ask the Holy Spirit to come with you and see what happens as you step out and draw close to those who are unclean, impure and maybe have fallen short of our laws. I don't know how long that was, but that's all I have for you. <laughs> so if that was short, then hope you'll appreciate me letting you go into a morning tea earlier. <laughs> so I'll close in prayer now. Well we do thank you for your word, and I do hope that what you've communicated in your word has come through today, and that we will take it to heart, and that by your spirit you'll help us to live it in each moment of our day, among this community and among the wider community where we live. Thank you, Jesus.